Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to an episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And we are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area today. And South Dallas with... Chris Manning, Dallas, Texas at Smokey Joe's Barbecue. Smokey Joe's Barbecue. Been around a long time. If you're in the Dallas area, you've probably known about them. If you're not in the Dallas area, you might not. They are a recent member of the Texas Monthly Top 50 list. Um, but there's a, a long and storied history of this place that we're going to get into. And let's... Uh, Let's kind of start as close to the beginning as we can. So uh, what's the origins of Smokey Joe's Barbecue? Um, so Smokey Joe's Barbecue was created by Joe Melton. Um, he was the original owner, him and Kenneth Manning. Kenneth Manning, which is my dad, but Joe is the guru with all the recipes. Um, Kenneth was kind of a investor to the business. And so um, just starting off, Joe and Kenneth started off in 1984, I believe. And kind of well it was a really big staple in dallas um smoky joe's was i mean it was it was a spot back in the day i guess you could say me growing up here as a kid and you know having to work up here i kind of got a lot of exposure to that and so basically just starting off they would i know back in the day when i was a kid we would bring in maybe 60 to 70 cases uh no i'd say at least 80 cases of ribs um 40 on each shift now granted we were open till 12 or 1 at night 1 Ooh. in the morning wow but they would run through a lot of ribs and so smoky joe's back in the day you know and still is known for our ribs and so that was one of joe's hidden recipes and an amazing cook to say the least and you know, when I say Joe could cook kind of like the back of his hand, he could literally, I mean, any recipe you could think of, come up with it off the back of his hand. And no no recipe book, no anything, just, you know, just a really talented cook, you know, which is aspiring to me to one day be like that. And, and from, you know, we'll get into the menu in a little bit of detail, but um, was Hickory always part of that mix? Yes, sir. So from what I was told when I was a kid and when I guys I got older, they only used hickory. Um, but from when I was a kid, they did used to blend oak and hickory. But then they had a problem issue getting getting a hold of oak. And so which kind of when I was growing up up here, it was straight hickory. But hickory is a, a good flavor profile wood, but obviously cooks a little bit higher temp. And so they do cook of an old school way of which is i know as you know probably higher temp which is good for the ribs okay for the not so good for the brisket in my opinion but you know hey i feel like the margin of error is a lot smaller when you're cooking that hot on brisket it is i feel like you know you can get away with it on you know maybe a a high-end brisket but if you're using just a regular grade of brisket the likelihood of you drying that brisket out on a high temp is, is is very high especially back in the days that was i mean it was it was select brisket or even probably no roll um not even not even graded at that time correct um, and so i think you know they used to use 220 briskets i think were the name of them um i could be saying it wrong but they were really fatty briskets i mean big fat cap on them and people loved them i mean that's you know when people came here Smoky Joe's to get a good brisket, you know, it was, a, it was an old school model. So, you, you had that lady customer come in and hey, make sure you leave all that fat on there, that's the best part, you know. And I like it too, you know. And we used to say, I mean, being early, used to say, boy, 
I sure do feel, feel bad giving out all that fat, but it, it was good. You know, it was good. And chopped beef, I'm sure, much more than, than sliced brisket back in the day, too. Yes, sir. So chopped beef was obviously, you know, a number one seller yeah. for us. Um, sauce we, on or sauce off on every plate? Sauce on. <laughs> so that was a big deal. Now that, um, because I feel like, you know, when you eat barbecue, try the barbecue first. Didn't get with the sauce, but you know, here was already was done. It was a big part of what modernizing it was not putting the sauce on. So we got a lot of bite back for that. You know, I want sauce on my. What's the problem? And you know, and you say, well, even though you give them a cup, doesn't matter. You know, when somebody's used to what they're they getting, want there, right? they want it on there, and so things like that um, were kind of an issue. And then taking the bark off the brisket. I never do it. Uh-uh. I was like, ma'am, I don't think you understand. We put in a lot of time for this. I said, if you want to get a fork and get the bark off the brisket, that's up to you. But we're not going to do that. Did you work in the business growing up or, or just kind of observing off and on? Um, so how I actually worked in the business was my dad, um, he... We went with my aunt, which is Aunt Debbie, the one that does the Debbie's Kitchen, our sides. And so... Is we, that the buttermilk pie? Um, so, not the buttermilk pie, but the greens. Okay. She does a special the menu. really good. Yeah, she does a special menu on Fridays and Saturdays. And so, that's my favorite aunt. Don't tell nobody that. But uh, she would take us shopping on Saturdays. So, we'd go to the new malls and... We were young. I think we were like four or five, so we didn't have no money. And so we would, you know, obviously our dad would give us a little money. We'd go shopping. And so one time we got a new computer, and my dad was like, you know, I want y'all to get educational games. And so we go to the mall, and he's like, make sure y'all, I'm going to get y'all, you and your brother some money, go get some education. Yeah, we're kids. So what do we do when we get the money? Let's go to Toys R Us. <laughs> we go to Toys R Us. We buy all this stuff, and we buy all these toys, and we didn't buy one educational game. <laughs> and so that's how we end up. You know, he he sat us down. He said, "You know, I'm not giving you. You know what? I didn't grow up, grow up with an allowance. And you're not either." And so he's like, "You're going to work." So from here on out. He gave, so we never saw those toys again. <laughs> we had to put the toys in the trash bag, took all the toys, and then so from that, that's how we started working. And so basically, you know, it was good. You know, it made us understand the value of a dollar, and it made us work for our money, so we appreciated it more. And we had an opportunity to buy what we wanted, and so that was that was nice. And so starting off, I used to roll bread and sweep them off the floors. I'd roll four cases of bread, um, and then I would sweep them off the floors all day. And so that's kind of how I started off. And then I'd ride around with my grandpa and help him pick up stuff, uh, pick up potatoes, pick up ribs. And so help him load the trucks and stuff like that. Was Smokey Joe's more of a to-go place back then? Or did you guys have a dining area? Or? Um, so it was all to-go. Even today, we still kind of struggle with that. We're trying to get people to more dine-in. And, you know, obviously the goal would be a new restaurant. But right now um we're working what we got i guess you could say well, you've so. done a fantastic job of, of converting this we've for whatever reason in the last couple of years we've had a lot of gas station barbecue yeah um, and this is a former gas station and and it's been great barbecue that we've had but i think this is the best conversion we've seen 
yeah yeah as far as really trying to modernize and and, and put a dining area because yeah there are i'm sure there are building codes and all sorts of things that you got to go through to get that done exactly and so that's kind of been the headache and um i don't know if you've seen the picture when you had walked in but um that is what the building looked like prior to uh, me taking over and putting back into it and so we were 90 percent well 100 percent you know takeout and so Getting people to dine in has been, you know, a little bit different. But we, because as soon as we started putting the lobby on the front, we went into a pandemic. <laughs> and of course, you know, we had people coming in and we had people dining in and then, wow, taking away. So and that sound you hear is people coming in, by exactly. the way, for, yeah, those, yeah. for those listening <laughs> yeah, at home. You know, we, we don't always schedule our interviews right in the middle of lunch rush. Right? <laughs> and we apologize. This one is one of those. No. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so 90, it used to be 100%, so now we've kind of got more people dining in, which is good, because it kind of gives us to put our spin on it and, you know, plate it, make it look nice, and we want people to sit down, you know, enjoy their food. And so, you know, first off, we'll, we'll talk about the original pit, um, and then we'd like to get into kind of that transition into this newer style, and, and what were your influences, and that aha moment, as they say. Um, but we have to. You have to tell us a little bit about this this pit because you talked to us before we started recording. Um, very unique. It's a brick pit, but it was. Yeah, yeah. it's more like a brick <laughs> chimney. I mean, it was a very interesting device. Um, yes. Yeah, so the pit that you know, I love the pit. It it, it took a lot to take it out. Um, and we we thought about just keeping it there just for, we just putting some wood in there and just let it smoke just for uh, you know viewing purposes. I guess you could say, but. Um, so the pit was we had the warmer on the left, the fire in the bottom of the middle, you know, similar to an oiler and the cooking side to the right. And so on the right where the meat cooked, it's a big opening on the right. And so we had two racks and what we would do is we would cook the, we had one rack more towards the top and one rack towards the bottom. So, you know, um, we would start out the ribs on the top rack maybe about an hour and 30, two hours, and then we drop the ribs on the bottom, let them cook a little bit slower, and we let them a little slow smoke for another two hours, and then um, pull them off. I mean, it was, I loved the pit. It was my heart and joy. Like I said, it, it took us, we, we, me and Earl, which is a pit master here, we used to call it Old Faithful. We say, boy, you know, and my dad, he was like, you taking that pit out? He's like, you know, don't, those bow works they go cook nothing like a like that brick pit's gonna cook and it was a it was a very you know i guess sad moment um some you know but once we had a fire i think for me it was kind of obvious like hey you know we got to make a transition you know we were steady and we would clean out the stack every week and somehow in the stack we would still manage to kind of catch a fire like embers coming out the uh the flute and so at that point, you know, it was kind of like, hey, you know, we got to figure something out different. So, um, love the and, old. And that's a big fear. I, I, I mean, it, this isn't a fire from the grease that traps in the bottom. That happens too. This yeah. is a fire that's actually in the smokestack. Um, I think Russell had one of those at one point. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, uh, there's been yeah. a few places that we know that have had that, and it's yeah, yeah it's it's unpredictable, and it's it's hard to put out once it starts going like that. It is, and the issue, you know. That pit was in the middle of our building. So what comes out that flute lands on the roof. And if you're not paying attention, which you're normally not because you're in the inside the building, you see, you know, like embers coming out, starts hitting the roof. Well, eventually the roof's going to catch on fire. 
you know and so it was kind of a love hate sad moment but um you know i'm glad we did it we hadn't had no fires knock on wood but um i am glad we did that this friday the 13th yeah yeah no kidding so i'm I'm glad we we took it out um and, and like you said it was a big concern that the barbecue would change and that that was a concern and you know I'm glad that I was able to prove my dad wrong that the barbecue didn't change <laughs> and the barbecue still staying good. We got the same flavor profile. And we actually, because we were concerned, we didn't pull that pit out till we cooked on the Mobers because that was the first time we cooked on the Mobers to make sure, like, okay, is the product still going to be the same? Is it going to be consistent? Things of that nature. Yeah, you're switching to a completely different cooking process i mean the, yeah the, you know the way that the, the way the moberg's laid out versus horizontal versus vertical yeah. brick versus steel i mean there's a lot of factors that change it does but you know it took a while to get them dialed in and kind of understanding and kind of knowing okay you know how to work them but i will say you know even like when i tell earl i said you know a pit is a pit i do say that you know and it's, and i hate to make that statement but you got to have a clean fire you got to have, you know, make sure your your draw is going, looking at your flute, things of that nature. You got to pay attention to all those dynamics. And, and I say that to, like, Earl because sometimes he was struggling at first. And I was like, Earl, if you think about it, we almost got to do the same thing we were doing on the brick pit. I was like, it's different. I know it's different. But I said, look at all the dynamics that we're doing, and I promise you, we're doing the exact same thing. As different as it may be. Now, Earl didn't like how we had to put the logs in a little bit different, but... <laughs> I said, look, you got to work with me. Just trust me. So, so what, you know, backtracking a little bit, what made you decide to, to go into barbecue as a career, taking this place over and, and, and starting to, to run with it and starting to make it your own? What kind of factor into that decision have you wanted to go down this path? Um, so kind of what made me want to, I guess, go down this path was um, I couldn't find a job. Um, I got out of college and I got humbled really quick and literally could not find a job and so put in a lot of applications and it just kind of didn't pan out for me and so my dad kept asking me he was like hey you know do you, you want to take over I was like, oh no because i mean you know growing up my dad he was like okay this is if you don't get your life together you do drugs this is where you're gonna end up being and so you know growing up i kind of said hey you know i'm gonna work hard because i don't want to end up here because you know i mean Growing up here, you know, when the building, you know, was prior to 2014, we didn't have central air and heat. So, and you imagine your pit is in the middle of your kitchen. And so, not only are you prepping orders in the middle of the kitchen with all that heat and smoke, because you got a lot of smoke. I mean, we had a vent hood in there, but it wasn't doing anything nowhere near, you know, in the middle of a kitchen. It wasn't going to occupy that much smoke. And so, that was the reason I was like, no, you know, when I got out of college, that's one, one reason I went to college is, <laughs> um, two, I was like, you know, I'm going to give me a job. I want to wear a suit and tie work and things of that nature. I was like, you know, I want to go to work. Because I had went to work in college, I was working for Bucky's, and I was like, man, that was actually my first job outside of barbecue. And I said, man, I, I ain't never worked a job where we got AC and I'm not sweating. <laughs> and I had, I remember people were complaining. And the man, bathrooms are clean. And the yeah, bathrooms, bathrooms are and clean. The bathroom, and the bathrooms are clean. And, and I was like, man, I had, we had people complaining and things. I said, they just don't understand. I was like, I worked in a dungeon. This is nice. I said, we got AC. I said, y'all, we complained about washing dishes. I said, y'all don't understand. <laughs> they have no idea. And so, you know, 
going back to kind of how I got here, it was he asked me about two times, and then the third time, I was like, okay, well, you know, obviously I just couldn't find a job, and I think four months had went by, and I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta, something's gotta, I gotta figure something out. I can't. And he he was letting me work up here. He was just like, man, you still ain't reconsidered. So finally, I said, you know, if I take it over, you know, it's just gonna be me. Um, there was a lot of drama up leading up into that, and so I kind of didn't want to deal with that drama. I per se wanted to you know if it's gonna be me on it's gonna be me you know i don't want to you know because in my opinion i couldn't do what i wanted to do with it then i'm not going to be able to be successful because if i try to do this somebody's going to tell me no and things of that nature so that was my um and that's that's the reason why i didn't want to take it over because it was, it was too much drama and too much stuff to it and he made the deal to say okay if you you that's it so as, as you decided this is going to become part of your life, barbecue is going to be what you're going to do going forward, what were some of your influences on barbecue, like, um, maybe back in your college time, and also what kind of were the aha moments to say, this is the style of barbecue I want to cook going forward? Um, so a moment that really kind of changed everything for me um, was I ate brisket at Terry Black's in Austin. Ew. I remember tasting the brisket and I said, man, this brisket tastes like steak. I was like, I've never had a brisket. Like, just the moisture and things like that. Um, it was the best brisket I've had, period. And so, that kind of was a, man, I got to figure out. So, from then on, I went to Meat Church uh, to try to learn about brisket. Not knowing that, you know, I guess the class I went to was more so for, like, competition barbecue. And because in my mind, I was like, well, maybe they're injecting it. What's going on here? Like, this is this brisket is just different, you know. And so um, it was just tallow. Yeah, yeah it was, it was just <laughs> tallow and a, and a higher grade of beef. I think, you know, you can't get that on a select brisket. So I had, I had to learn that the hard way. And so um, that was a really. Well, and the wrap and the hold and, you know. All right. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, it's important. It's important. So those are all those things which kind of were. Um, I was blessed to be able to go down to guest. Um, Daniel ended up introducing me to uh, Reed at Guest Barbecue and Cade and Gene, and and so that was kind of a, a huge blessing to be able to go down there. And it was this at their trailer or at the brick and mortar? So this was at their brick and mortar, I believe, when they had just moved in into their brick and mortar, and that was a really really blessing because you got you figure. The only things I've learned from barbecue is, you know, from my dad or Joe or Earl. And so stepping outside of that, I hadn't really learned any other way to cook barbecue, which is their ways were all old school ways. And so going down there to be able to, you know, learn how to make sausage, learn how to do the briskets um, and different other, other different meats was a big deal for me because I've never learned that. And I had tried to reach out to different people in the industry and, just kind of really never got anybody to teach me and or just didn't nobody followed up things of that nature so to be able to you know let them allow me to come in there in their restaurant and learn was a really really big deal and you got to see also i mean especially since the brick and mortar was new but you got to see a lot of the business side that you know for a sit-down restaurant that you hadn't had experience with here either yeah. i did and so i got to see you know they taught me about um one a POS system getting one of those I was you know still old school um, POS system and just how to go about dining they taught me holding techniques um, just just the important things like you say of 
trying to you know get the barbecue at its best and at a consistent level and so that's why i'm always forever grateful to reed and, and daniel and Cade and gene for just kind of taking me into their house down there i mean restaurant and you know let me sleep on her couch um <laughs> chuck and um i'm always grateful for that so uh, and i think that's you know because there's a lot of different things that go into you know the new school barbecue methods but i think you know if you had to boil it down to one thing it's it's it is to be able to recreate it on a day-in day-out basis that consistency that following these methods really allows you it's so it's so different than cooking hot and fast where the consistency levels can vary so you know so widely on both ends of the spectrum i know you did a lot of barbecue touring at you know after that too so were there any other places that kind of you know not necessarily taught you but any other places where you kind of learned from or you, you ate something and kind of stuck with you um Yes, I feel like every time I go to another barbecue place, um, you know, and I love eating barbecue, um, is one, it motivates me, and two, um, usually nine out of ten times, always been astonished, like, um, especially like Cadillac is a big inspiration for me, just their consistency, quality, um, and always keeping something new on the menu every week as far as a special item, and so... They're probably the one of the biggest places that stick out to me. And then, obviously, Goldie's. Um, I understood why Goldie's because, like, you know, consistency. Consistency to cook perfect barbecue day in and day out is a big deal. And so, and you know, when I went to Goldie's, you, you can just tell. You can, you can tell everything is to perfection. With every every a detail. A lot of attention to things like sides um, and, and, you know, the whole menu experience. And let's let's jump into the menu a little bit. So... We're going to have to talk about the ribs first and foremost. Yeah, yeah, we, we have to live <laughs> yeah. to talk about these this ribs. Is, this is the section of the show where we're going to talk about ribs. Um, your ribs are, you know, nothing short of phenomenal, but they're, they're and simple is the wrong word to use. Um, classic is a better word because simple sounds like it's easy. And, yeah. and what you're producing is not easy to produce. So, you know, we, we talked about hickory, but tell us a little bit about the ribs. Um, so the ribs are, you know, as I was saying earlier, or were a staple of Smokey Joe's. So my goal was how can we replicate the ribs, keep them the same, and cook them on a the Moberg. And so I feel like I'd like to say we've done that. Um, I think my dad and Earl and Joe would too, but, you know, I might never hear that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, they won't tell you even if they, they think They won't ever yeah. tell me that, so I, I don't, I'm not going to worry about that. All right, but, all right. Um, <laughs> The goal, though, was, like you said, to keep them. We still want to keep an old-school flavor profile. Um, I didn't want to touch the ribs because the ribs are number one seller. And, you know, I really like the ribs. I think, you know, going to just a lot of different barbecue places. Um, I do, you know, I like the glaze, but I'm not a huge fan of it. And so I wanted to keep, you know, the ribs the old-school style just because, I mean, it's, it's a great flavor to me. I don't really like sweet meat, I guess you could say. And so... Uh, not really my style per se, and so that's why the ribs were, I guess, a no question for me to keep the same. Yeah, to me, with the the sweet glaze, like even if you're a fan of them, you can usually only eat one, maybe two, depending on the size of them. Whereas these ribs are not only great, the ribs you're cooking, but you could easily eat three or four of those things without blinking an eye because you're not getting hit with a big wave of sugar or anything like that as you're eating them. I mean, like I said, a, a very straightforward flavor profile. The the hickory does give an amazing color to yeah, the ribs. Yeah, the mahogany color of the ribs and and just, it's not a crispy bark, but it's a solid bark, but they're so moist inside. I mean, I, I can kind of taste it right now just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the ribs are phenomenal, um, and you, you kept those classic, but but you did modernize the brisket. 
yeah let us know a little bit about you know what, what went into that i mean obviously the the educational process you went through but um how, how did you start to modernize that and how and what was the reception to it once uh once some of your longtime customers started tasting the new brisket um so i think really guests um really kind of helped me because you know modernize the brisket because before guests i had you know i was just youtube you know youtube and everything and trying to pay attention to everybody in the industry and trying to take everything that i could learn you know just off the of internet and social media and so which is good but you don't know if you don't know the science and things behind that nature that's where you're going to get your consistency from so that's the importance of the science and knowing you know the little things that make a perfect brisket consistently and so my learning that was good and then when i went down to guess i actually got to learn how to wrap a brisket properly that was a big deal uh, i actually got to learn how to you know put tallow back in and i actually got to learn how to properly trim a brisket and hold the briskets as well which are some key factors for me that that really helped me out was was some of that when you first saw the amount of trimming that goes into the the current briskets was that a little painful to see it was because <laughs> you know when i was we were so trimming at uh, dollar signs in the trash if you're not yeah, making sausage you're yes, doing something with it. <laughs> and we weren't making sausages so i was just looking like oh man you know but um it was very i remember looking um at chuck down at guess well he was a guess um trimming and he was just so egregious when he was cutting <laughs> he was he was trimming i said oh why <laughs> And, and, and it's a shaping more than a trim, and, and we've talked about that. Like you're, you're, you are cutting meat off. You're not trimming it off. You're just whacking it off yeah. for the shape and the thickness consistency. But yeah. that's that's critical to the end product. But I, I'm sure, like somebody, had it, cause same thing for all of us. First time we saw it, we're like, no, no, we don't have to cut off that much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? you know, maybe yeah. I'll, maybe I'll cut just a little less and save some money. But it it it's the end product that where it shows yeah. yeah well and and essentially you have to make the brisket aerodynamic and i i think those are important things if you whatever you think you may can save or or leave you know it's going to get burnt and if you don't that's really how you kind of have to view it unfortunately and so that's that's what i learned because i kind of did what you said i said uh just take a little dead as i got <laughs> i said got down the road i said chris you're gonna have to do it just you, you don't have a choice one thing that's been a pretty recent addition to the menu is, is you guys have really started creating more of your own sausage. I know you guys served, uh, you know, a, a sausage from from Smoky Denmark for a long time, and you still have that available. Um, but you you've also introduced sausage and boudin to your menu recently. How has how has that been, and what was that process like? Um, it's been really really good. Um, I enjoy making sausage. I guess because I'm intrigued because I feel like I got to get so much better at it. Um, so. I'm intrigued by it because I really want to keep learning and really get, you know, I guess when you make sausage, you know, especially when you eat it and you make it, you understand just the dynamics behind it and that it's one, it's not easy Two, you know, it's a lot of work that goes in it in hours and days that goes in making a perfect sausage. And so my goal was how can we bring sausage and, you know, keep the, the original Smoky Denmark on the menu. Um, I don't want to take that from, you know, our customers because that's something that they love you know and that's that's why they come here and that's what they expect to get and so i um my goal was put the you know the signature sausages on special and then keep the smoky denmark as well for you know my grandma wants to come get a smoky denmark i'm gonna <laughs> let her come get a smoky denmark i can't argue with that 
for some of those listening outside of Texas that might not be familiar with Smoky Dunmark, been a sausage purveyor for decades in Texas, um, really well known here within the state. Um, just a few little barbecue connections to that. I believe it's Sonny Moberg's grandfather um, started Smoky Denmark. Oh, nice. I did and, not know that. And Smoky Denmark had a food truck for a little while that Bill Dumas, also known as the Sausage Sensei, um, who uh, makes sausage at Brotherton's Black Iron, he worked the Smoky Denmark truck for for a couple of years. I mean, we ate there. And that Smoky Denmark truck, another connection, is now the Leroy and Lewis food truck. So, wow. Yeah, yeah, just one of those little of like touches, circle of life yeah. barbecue and, things. And, and my inspiration for sausage, and I think maybe it was yours too at the time, Keenan um, Goldie's, no, nothing to do with the Goldie's restaurant. The Keenan Goldie's was kind of the sausage king of Austin at the time. And, wow! And, and he worked at the truck too. And right? he worked at the truck, nice. yeah. And that's where I had I had that apple pie sausage. Yeah. And he did an apple pie sausage that just blew me away. Yeah. Um, but but ultimately it's um, so you know you mentioned sausage making, but but in the past you also you, you talked about one of your jobs was rolling out the bread. Um, you know I, I liken a lot of sausage, especially the the what, the batter of sausage, if you will. Getting the right consistency is a lot like making bread as well. Um, there's just a lot of those little little nuances that can make or break a sausage. Um, you also started something recently, which is boudin. Um, so, kind of, what was your what was your inspiration for boudin? Um, so, my inspiration for boudin. Um, well, when we were in college, um, we used to go hang out. Well, I went to school at Sam Houston. We used to go hang out in Houston. We drive down there and. When we would leave from going out with my friends, there was this guy that we used to call the Boudin Man, um, and he would have sausage, some Boudin out there, and when I say to this day, I have not had a better Boudin than his Boudin, like, it, it was it was legit, and so I guess my goal has one, you know, how can I eat that Boudin again? <laughs> uh, so that's what really intrigued me to really wanting to learn on how to make it and so my friend Cade at CM Smokehouse he kind of blessed me with uh, he at first he was like oh you sure you need that I was like Cade you understand like <laughs> I think I think I just want to make it just so I could eat it but um so Cade taught me how to make boudin and well brisket boudin and so put good. a twist yeah. on it um Cade has really been like a huge blessing for me such a talented um, cook yes. an amazing chef um he literally is like a big brother to me and anything I need he helps me and just you know a friend in barbecue that you know is amazing that knows literally everything and so he helped me he, he came he up knows with the his flavors for too. me oh no, yeah yeah that's that's the thing yeah we were really impressed with the, the sausage now no. we're oh. gonna have to go um, the, the gentleman he's talking about is called the Bookity Bookity Boudin Man. Yep, Houston, um, Houston legend. The Houstonians on, on listening to this episode probably probably know about the Bookity Bookity Boudin Man. Yeah. So yeah, and we, and we looked. He seems to be still out and about. He shows up in the in the evenings at like Walmart parking lots in South <laughs> Houston. But we're we're gonna have to go. We've talked about yeah. it. We're gonna we, we might not make it back, but we're gonna have to go. <laughs> yes, it's a must. It's a must. Yeah, Look, bring some to me. Yeah, we will. We'll stash like a whole bunch of it. Um, <laughs> But that, that'll be an experience we have to do. But but it's great to see you bring Boudin. Dallas is not a huge Boudin town, um, but we're seeing it more and more on the menus. It's no longer an afterthought here. It's now something that we see often. Um, how has your audience picked up on it? They picked up on it really, really good. Um, so we tried to bring in Boudin, I think, um, three years ago from Louisiana. And it wasn't a good seller. It wasn't. It didn't do as good. And obviously we had to. Now was that legitimate? Like DJ's? 
Um, it was Best Stop. Best Stop. Best that was the other one. Yeah, that's the other one. Yeah, so, which is a great boot amp. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's got it's very funky with the, with the liver in it. It's, yeah, it's a very strong funk to it. It is. It is it's the closest thing I can kind of find to you know uh, Boudet Bad, I like to call them. But uh, yeah, so we we brought that in and it didn't do as good. And obviously, you know, we weren't kind of profiting from it, and so. I had to kind of do away with it versus now it's been it's been a like you said I think people are now catching up to it if that makes sense I guess and so it's been really really good we've been doing really good with it I've been able to sell out of it each week and so I'm really happy about that so let's talk a little bit about you know we talk about all the time on the show how barbecues become more than just you know a few meats that you serve with some pickles like it's now a full menu experience and you definitely have that going here at Smokey Joe's let us know a little bit about the the sides that you either kept on the menu, changed on the menu, added to the menu. How's the kind of the sides right, evolved here at Smokey Joe's since you've taken over? Um, so my goal was, um, how can we bring a soul food twist to the restaurant without making a soul food restaurant? Um, I feel like one, you know, it's it's very stereotypical, which I hate to say, is like a lot of black restaurants. Um, we have, you know, soul food and barbecue because I, I do believe it goes hand in hand. But, you know, I also want to be known for good barbecue. That's that's my number one goal is, you know, how can we make good barbecue and how can we do soul food sauce? Because that's our tradition. And so my aunt just so happened to be a, a chef, somewhat of a chef slash cook. And she's just the old school cook. And she literally has the best food anything she touches is amazing in my opinion and so she kind of came on board a couple years ago um to start helping me with the sides and so i've been really thankful for that um and blessed because like i said she makes the green she makes the yam she makes the um those yams are so good we had those today it may be Maybe my favorite site here now, <laughs> but yeah. it's a little rich because you can't eat a lot. It of, it's like a dessert. Like, it is, but, but it is so like I'd like it with some with some vanilla ice cream. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Those yams are literally the number one thing I would look forward to on Thanksgiving, and so to be able, you know, for her to come up here and help out has just been truly just, just, just been a blessing because I know everything she touches it, it comes from the heart i know everything that you know she does i can trust her and so that's that's been a really really huge help and so that's what you know kind of where our size from and we like to kind of i like the my goal at smoky joe's was to bring my family recipes up here because i felt like our family really really ate good and that's why a lot of us are big in my family <laughs> But because uh, we eat good, I had to give it to us. We eat good, and even friends that I bring over during holiday, they're like, "Man, some of this stuff is, it is good." And so I'm like, "Man, if I could, if I could get the world just to taste a little bit of it, you know, that would be my goal." And so that's where the Beverly Beans come from, the Lori's banana puddings, the Debbie's size, Debbie's kitchens come from, because they're all my either my mom, my uncles, my aunts, my grannies, my grandmothers. Um, that's where all the sides come from. And, and I mean, really, really good. It's one of the things that excites us so much about coming here is Texas has a lot of copycat restaurants. They have a lot of restaurants that are serving very similar menus. I mean, even things like collard greens are all over Texas now. Used yeah. to be pretty limited to, to certain areas of Texas. Um, but, but what you're serving, and especially the yams, um, just as your own spin on it, that's great. You can get the you can get the new style brisket. You can get the classic ribs that 
I, I don't I don't know if anybody sells that type of rib. Certainly better than no you one guys. doing it better. Yeah, not that type of rib at all. Um, and it's refreshing to get because yeah. you know we 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 get plenty. It's nothing. It's, we're not knocking the other ribs. Yeah. But it's just great to have this other style that that sits on that same level. It's yeah. just a different I mean, style. Yeah. We, I mean, just for example, I mean, we just came from Cadillac before we came here, and we had two amazing meals and completely different meals at, yeah. at both places. And it's nice to be able to go and have those different experiences. And we, we absolutely cannot end this episode without referencing the thing that we kept talking about after the first time we came here, and that's the buttermilk pie. Uh, whose brainchild is that, and how can we thank them? So that is my granny's recipe, and she came up with the pie. Um, Joe did doctor it up, though, because we felt like it wasn't sweet enough. So but it's sweet. <laughs> so it's a combination of Joe and my granny's recipe, and that is probably my favorite pie. I used to literally. It, it, we talked about it. Other than the ribs, we talked about it nonstop since the first time we were here. Yeah, we were actually. Yeah, I think the first time we came here, we went to Goldie's afterward, and we brought them some brisket from here, but we didn't have. We had eaten the pie, and so we kept talking to the pie. They're like, "Why didn't you bring any pie?" Because like, we ate it. <laughs> we didn't have any of that left over. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that pie is. It's a kind of a staple of Smokey Joe's too. People people really love that pie. And, and again, it's even though it's buttermilk pie, which we've had elsewhere, it's unique to everybody else's. You know, there's some great banana pudding out there, but it's all kind of similar yeah. variations of banana pudding. This has a unique enough spin, which is phenomenal. I mean, we're just going to get fatter and fatter. The crack cake at Cadillac, the cake at Truth. That cake. Um, that's also what we had. That, yeah, we had that today. That <laughs> cake is probably some of the best, and I and I'm a I'm a cake connoisseur, and and, and that cake, I tell you, I'm still thinking about. Now, it. now it's a dessert podcast. Yeah, um, well, hey, yeah, yeah. Who else? Who else? What's the other one? Cake is um, cheaper than brisket. Well, Miller's Miller Smokehouse in Belton has some great desserts. Oh yeah, yeah. the the list of great desserts in Texas and in Texas barbecue is growing and growing and growing, and then yeah, definitely add the buttermilk pie to your order yeah. when you come here. Um, hours here are, are also great. Um, you guys are open till eight o'clock and then even until nine on the weekends. So, yes, sir. you know, there's no excuse for people saying they didn't want to come and wait in line right before you open. The line here moves pretty fast. We were impressed. We've watched people through this whole episode yeah. coming and going. Um, that's one of the other nice things is that you don't have to wait in line for a long time. You can come here, you can get this quality of food and get a wide variety of food here, too. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's our goal. Our goal, you know, um, we want to get people in and out, especially because majority of our business is to go. So if it was dining, I think it would, the dynamic would be a, a whole lot different. But since it's 90% to go, it makes it easier for us to go ahead and get it out the way. And that obviously is more, more of a profit margin for us if we – because if we have somebody that's coming in to go, the likelihood of them – Standing in a long line just probably isn't likely they're getting to go anyway versus somebody that's, oh, I'm going to dine in, I'm going to yeah. sit in and eat, is going to be a little bit different. So, What's the best way for everyone to get a hold of you, website, Instagram, all that good stuff? Um, Instagram at Smokey Joe's Barbecue, um, either Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Awesome. awesome. And you're here in um, what part of Dallas are we in South technically? Dallas. Uh, South Oak Cliff, Texas. Oak Cliff. Or, yeah, Oak Cliff in Dallas. South yeah. out, 10 minutes south of downtown. Gotcha. So it's easy to get to on the way into Dallas or on the way out of Dallas, just outside of the traffic, as I like to say. Yes, sir. Um, which is good. You're open. Um, you're only closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. You're open the rest of the week. Yes, sir. But we do run a food trailer on Tuesdays from 11 to 7. So oh, we put the great. food trailer out in front of the restaurant to clean up the restaurant. 
um, get our pits, majority of our pits clean. And so we kind of rotate the pits, which ones get clean each week. All right. So we want people to come here. We want people to hit us up on Instagram, tag you, and tell us how good the food was and tell us what their favorite item was. Absolutely. Well, th- thank you so much for carrying on this great legacy of your family, growing it, evolving it, you know, making it an exciting visit for people that have probably been coming here for 30 plus years and people that probably just discovering it in the last year or so. Well, I appreciate you all for coming and do this and, you know, coming to talk with me because um, people don't understand. That's that's what, you know, keeps the barbecue industry going and it's a big deal. So thank you guys for coming here. All right. Thanks, everybody.